Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Saw a lot of good rain this week. Probably uh, two-thirds to three-quarters of the state. Got anywhere from three-quarters of an inch to an inch and a half, inch and three-quarters. We even got two rains here at CropTech. Our first one was two-hundredths of an inch. The second one was substantially bigger. It was four-hundredths of an inch. So we've now have approaching six-hundredths of an inch since April 14th. But it's kind of the haves and have-nots. Uh, I talked with Joe up in uh, north central Iowa, and he said they are about 90% planted on the corn. They did get back in, kind of piecemealed it in, and they are about 10% planted on beans in the area, so they're working hard on the beans. Uh, talk with uh, Mr. Bach over there in uh, northern Ohio, Defiance County. Uh, they still haven't started, but he's got hopes that maybe Saturday they can uh, start putting some corn in. Sound like the neighborhood's going to stay with corn to about June 5th and then uh, start to look at preventive plant or switch into beans itself. Here in the state, the dry areas that received their first substantial rain here this past week, uh, we're starting to see some iron chlorosis. Uh, that was, this is the first flushing in those high pH soils that we've had for this season. So it's, uh, you're seeing uh, iron chlorosis on the soybeans, mainly because one, these soybeans aren't very uh, deep rooted. Uh, so they're pretty small plants yet still first trifoliate, meaning that iron chlorosis, they're turning yellow on us in the high pH areas. The question has come in, should we foliar feed these beans and try to get them back green? Um, or what should we do? And scenario, I at this point would probably recommend against it or at least do it on a small scale if you're going to go out there. And one of the problems that we have right now is these beans are so small that 80% of the foliar feed that you're going to spray out there is actually going to hit the soil. It's not going to hit the plant. We don't have enough leaf surface area to make that big of a difference. The One of the problems you have with iron is it's not transported through the plant so we can spray this um, for iron chlorosis and we can get it back green but the new growth will still come out iron chlorosis um, uh, issues with it so we really need to put on multiple treatments and that would get kind of cost prohibitive so if the weather pattern holds and we go back to drier conditions in those areas, uh, you'll see those beans come back green probably in five, six, seven days. They'll start to make that move back the other way. Um, and I wouldn't worry about it until we get in that R1, R3 range. And then we usually have canopy cover and that's a time of the year we really don't want a lot of stress. If we have big rains that trigger the iron chlorosis there, then we may think about a foliar application at that time. Typically, iron chlorosis, again, shows up in the new growth that comes after a substantial rain to flush the city out of the soil. So it's going to be anywhere from three to five days after you get that rain before you notice the top of the plant that starts to turn yellow out there. In the areas that got that three quarters to an inch and a half, man, are the crops jumping. Corn looks fantastic and beans are taking off. And in those areas, the ugly cornfields are starting to improve or starting to actually disappear. As I mentioned last week, it was the start of the ugly corn syndrome. That transition as corn moves from V3 into V4 headed to V5, it has to make the handoff from the seed roots to the crown roots. If there's been any type of glitch out there at all in crown root development, that's when it really starts to express itself. Here in the dry areas, some of these fields are putting the word ugly and ugly corn. 
some of our plot fields literally haven't moved in growth from Monday to Monday. And that's not very often that you see a, a V3, V4 plant almost standing still. Uh, of course, this is due to the dry soil and the poor development of the crown roots uh, that should be taken off and this plant should be running that dry soil at the surface. So actually starting to see in some fields V4 corn showing signs of wilt in midday. Uh, and that's something that's, and that's unusual for uh, corn that size. Now part of it is a fact, I just checked today, our humidity high for the day at 39%. So these are high ET days and they're putting the pressure on these uh, small plants. This stress has slowed down the metabolism. So in the areas that are dry, uh, over here anyway, uh, anything that we're doing with our corn post program is stressing the crop. So our halix and our clistos are turning the plants yellow. Our decambas are causing them to kind of flop over and get um, uh, limp out there. Uh, even seeing some roundup flash on corn uh, in this slow metabolism period. Add to the dry conditions, we continue to see uh, slow recovery due to herbicide carryover, mainly in, like I say, the Flexstar family. Um, I realize that many fields, though, are right now between a rock and a hard spot. Weeds need to be sprayed, especially uh, water hemp, which is pretty efficient in dry weather. And if the water hemp and the mare's tail uh, wasn't Roundup resistant, you know, we could probably uh, come back and spray straight Roundup, which would be easier on these crops. Uh, and then come back and use drops with dicamba later to make sure that we don't get it in the world. In most cases, I think um, we have to go after these weeds. Some of these fields are going to be a mess if we don't. So we're going to have to put this corn under stress and go get those weeds. The fields are clean. You may choose to um, to wave it and come back and deal with those weeds with the, you know, with drops and uh, try to be a little more safer to the crop itself. But if you've got resistant weeds and they're coming strong like they are in some fields, we're going to have to get to them or we're going to have a mess. Along with carryover issues in the corn, we are seeing atrazine carryover in the soybeans in this dry area. And again, these are carryover issues are due to last year's dry year stacked on top of this dry spring. Um, but some of these atrazine issues in soybeans is being misdiagnosed as uh, alevo damage. And we do see the alevo flash, but typically that flash from alevo is mainly on the cotyledons, where trizine damage is going to show up on those true leaves, the unifoliate and the trifoliate leaves out there. We have some tough issues in a number of fields, a number of soybean fields that ended up in dry soil. So I've looked at quite a few the last seven, eight days, and... Uh, we do have some issues. Most of them, as a matter of fact, all of them that I'm dealing with in no-till actually are um, behind no-till drills and air seeders. The beans just didn't get deep enough and the closing wheel didn't get firm enough to lock that moisture in before it got away from us. First thing we have to do is take out the hula hoop and get emergence stands. And when we're doing these stands, we're going to count the plants that are up and look in good shape. Then we're going to look for the missing ones and we're going to be digging for the seed to see if it's swelled or if it's just sitting there in dry soil and hasn't fired. From these counts uh, we're going to make the decision do we have enough to protect yield and are they uniform enough? 
situation to help us with the weeds. Are the plants GMO beans, which make it easier to control the weeds in poor stands, or is it non-GMO, which make it almost impossible to control the weeds uh, in these poor stands, and I'm talking about season-long control at the back end. So what kind of bean are we working with in there? That becomes part of this equation. I have looked at fields with 40 to 60,000 of emerged stand, and they're just too uneven to control the weeds. And some I've looked at, they're 90 to 100,000, and they look like they are uniform enough to control the weeds, and we're going to let those go. In the fields with poor stands that need to be fixed, the situation is completely different than last year. Last year we had poor stands, but what wasn't up was dead. This year in the fields with the poor stands, we might have 60 to 100,000 soybeans that are sitting in dry soil that aren't going to come up until it rains. Trying to interplant this year into an existing stands to thicken them up for weed control like you did last year is going to be a problem. Because if we stick another 100,000 into your 40 to 60,000 stand that you got and we get rain, you're going to end up with 275, 300,000 plants out there and that will ding yield, especially when we have differences in maturity out there as well and planting dates. In the no-till fields, though, the good news is there is still some moisture at that 2 to 3 inch level. I know you guys that are fighting this problem are not going to like what I'm about to say, but how I would fix it. But if you determine the stand is not good enough to keep, and you have moisture in that 2 to 3 inch range, I'm going to suggest you pull out the planter. Not the drill, not the air seeder, pull out the planter. And I want you to lock those row cleaners down, or if you can put downforce on them with your... Um, row cleaner set up and what we're going to do is we're going to push some dry soil we're going to push that first three quarters of an inch to an inch of dry soil out of the way and we need to plant three quarters into the moisture three quarter of an inch into the moisture so you're going to have to turn up the pressure on your closing wheels i prefer cast wheels in this situation i would not use spike we have to firm that soil above that seed and lock that moisture in the 10-day forecast right now shows really no rain in it. Uh, we got a 40% chance out there on, what, June 5th. And we got 90-degree temperatures coming at us. So we need to make sure we get good firm pack above that seed so that moisture doesn't get away. Downforce on the row unit to keep it in the ground is going to be crucial. If you got starter tanks on that planter, fill them with water uh, for weight to keep your bars from floating. Don't worry about too much downforce. Rule one, though, is get to moisture. And let's do it fairly quickly or it's going to be gone. Now, what to plant? I'm going to recommend you plant a full stand, 180 to 200,000 plants. I'm going to suggest that you uh, stretch out your maturities. Push them out that 3-6 to 4 group maturity. If you're running a 30-inch planter, and you don't have splitters, I'm going to cut that population in half. I'm going to plant at a slight angle from the rows that you have out there. And when I get that field planted, I'm going to go back and start over. I'm going to bump my AB over 15 inches and replant that field. When you're doing the planting, do not rely only on the monitors. Do a lot of digging. 
to make sure that you're in the moisture and you're getting a firm pack over that seed. Now, if you haven't turned the podcast off by now, you might be saying, did he say 180, 200,000 in 15 inch ropes? Won't that be too much with the existing stand that I already have now? And yes, you heard me right. Narrow rows, high populations to get this ground covered. Push back your maturity so we can get some height out of these beans and plant as quickly as we can. Wide rows, if this pattern doesn't change, these beans will not get closed and they're going to cook in the July heat. So we want those rows closed and we can do that. We know these beans are going to be short because they're going to be basically June beans. So we push the population up to make up for the short beans. We bring the rows in to try to get that ground covered. What about the beans that are already out there now? We have to kill them. We can't use tillage or we'll lose the moisture. We can spray them, but those that aren't up, those that are in dry soil, they're going to come when it rains. This means we need to change our chemistry options uh, when it comes to seed selection. If they're non-GMO, that's the easiest. Go back with the Roundup Bean. If they're an Extend, go back with the Liberty. If they're a Liberty, vice versa, go back with the Extend. After the new stand is up and we get rain to get the first stand up, then we make a post application for weed control and while we're at it, we'll take out those uh, first plantings. In tilled fields that are now dry deeper than four inches, this plan doesn't work. Only thing you can do is wait for the rain. <laughs> I told you, you wouldn't like what I had to say. Nitrate numbers continue to come in and they're in good shape, like what I'm seeing. A lot of side dressing is getting done and this corn is really popping where you guys got the moisture. Questions that come in in the dry area is when is it too dry for anhydrous out there? I've had a couple of calls where people can smell the anhydrous coming out of their fields or from coming out of their neighboring fields. When you side dress anhydrous, you should not be able to smell it. So when a toolbar goes by in the field, you should be able to jump down right behind it, put your nose about four inches off the knife track, and not smell anhydrous. If the toolbar goes by and white smoke is coming out of the knife track, I do not recommend you trying this technique. In one case, a farmer had corn wilting in a matter of minutes after side dressing. The question is, am I pruning that many roots? No, this is not from root pruning. This is from anhydrous gas escaping and damaging that leaf tissue. If you can't get the anhydrous to seal, you need to switch to liquid. The next question we've been getting is, my corn is yellow from the carbon penalty. I have very little nitrogen on and what's on hasn't been rained in. Should I use a colder or should I use a wide drop? Well, if you put nitrogen in the middle of the row on corn that is caught in the carbon penalty and growing slow because of dry soil, this corn will not snap out of it until we get a rain to disperse the nitrogen and increase the rooting activity. So yes, a wide drop would be a better choice uh, to get the uh, application closer to the row for quicker uptake. But you're going to have to make sure in some of the smaller corn that you don't splash nitrogen on the corn plant. So you're going to have to adjust your speed in that case, not to uh, make sure that you're splashing nitrogen on the plant, which is going to add more stress. What if I run my coulter closer to the row so the plant could get to it quicker? 
The answer is no, no, no. Um, we don't want pruned roots, and that's what'll happen if we get too close to the plant with the coulter. So we gotta stay away from that area. It's hard enough to grow these roots right now in the dry area, and we need to uh, protect that. A lot can be learned in a year like this about um, weatherproofing your system. We take a look at what's going on out here in some of these fields. Your pre-emergence weed control, is it set up to handle dry conditions? Your planter setup and operation is crucial both in corn and beans, protecting that moisture that you have. Early season nitrogen management. Uh, some of these uh, starter plots that we have, just amazing differences in growth out there. When you realize that if you add an inch and a half or two to a corn plant's height, you add about once and a half to the root system, and these root systems are showing it. So we're seeing some, and getting some calls about some pretty wild, um, just pop-up fertilizer making huge differences out there. Visited a number of fields already uh, in the last 10 days that are in cover crops that unfortunately are out of water and caught in the carbon pendling. We're talking mainly corn into uh, ryegrass. And these are tough looking fields. And the only way to the other side of this is to get some moisture. In a situation, all these issues would be solved with one to two inches uh, of rain. It's a scenario where uh, moisture is not in the forecast, uh, so we're going to have to weather through this uh, until we get to the other side and get some moisture. These issues uh, are why we see such differences when we drive across the country. You see a lot of fields that look like they may have received an inch or two more rain than their neighbors because those farmers have weatherproofed those soils, they've weatherproofed their system to handle everything from the weeds to the nitrogen um, and to the uh, planter setup, that type of thing. And it's amazing the bigger differences that you can see now uh, moving through the field. We're gonna start irrigating here at Corn College next week. I'm sure then that will bring moisture uh, and we'll see rain in the dry area. I need to close or Zach's going to pull the plug on me, but I do want to give a shout out to one of our customers, uh, CropTech customers, uh, Roger Aarons, uh, who is in the Gibson City Hospital with a, with a busted up leg. And ask everybody to, to keep him in your prayers for a fast recovery. May even call him and harass him a little bit if you want, but uh, we'll, we're thinking about him. So to stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com. And subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.